0: Support for Talking Art on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at QCBT.com. Support also comes from the estate of Margaret Skinner, a longtime friend of WVIK and lover of the arts.
1: This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm Talking Art Today with William Campbell, composer, performer, and professor of music at St. Ambrose University. Welcome, Bill.
0: Thank you very much. It's great to be here.
1: Now, you recently arranged the music for the Harmar Superstar Concert Performance at the Rust Belt, which is a modern and very exciting collaborative event with the Quad City Symphony Orchestra on Saturday, May 11th. How did you get involved with this project?
0: Yeah, well, I've done a few projects with the Quad City Symphony over the years, and some of them have been... Outreach for educational reasons, like we brought in Midori one time, and I had a a composition uh, contest that was a lot of fun. I've written a couple pieces for the Quad City Symphony that they've played both in their masterwork series and also for chamber concerts. Um, so they reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in arranging for them, and. That's a fun thing to do is to arrange other people's music for so that more people can enjoy it. You know, it's an interesting concert because Quad City Symphony is going to start out by playing a couple sets of their own music. And then um, Mr. Harmar, superstar, will be coming out uh, with his band and uh, the, the chamber orchestra will then play with them. It'll be really pretty exciting. Uh, to, to hear
1: mm-hmm. and that last set that final set that's what you did the arranging for yeah um, I know on your website you you said that you were always open to fun projects and, <laughs> and this one does seem particularly fun uh, to me was there something uh, that was really unique or different about this project for you
0: well yeah a couple things first I didn't know who Harmar Superstar was until I was asked by the Quad City Symphony to arrange the music so that was pretty fun and challenging and different Secondly, um, the music that they wrote um, has this really interesting um, combination of of genres. So it's there's a some you know retro sounds of like some soul and even even some um, I don't know like almost modern disco. <laughs> and then there's some other uh, more modern dance kind of kind of ideas, and then even some like '50s doo-wop influences that um, is is in some of these songs. And it was just wonderful to think about. Gosh, how am I going to write for a chamber orchestra to join them up up uh, up there? I mean, you know, you, you think of like R and B and soul music, and you think of a of a of of horns. Joining in, right? So trumpets, um, maybe some trombone, saxes. Definitely, there is one trumpet player in this chamber orchestra, but that's it. Every everything else is this this chamber um, orchestra. So this challenge to take this nice, very uh, refined, but smaller sound, you know. Um, and pair it with this high energy music was just something I had to jump in on. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it all sounds so fascinating to me. And when we when I usually think about chamber music, I think of a smaller group, maybe a quartet. Yes. But yeah. this is this is larger. It's still considered chamber, but there are twenty two musicians. Twenty
0: two musicians. So you know, when you think about chamber orchestra, one can also think of um, the instrumental music of of Bach, J.S. Bach. So. Um, that the Brandenburg Concertos come to mind immediately. So these these are pieces that um, sound very full and rich, especially with the way that, that, that Bach would write, but also because of the combinations of instruments. So you have single winds, like a flute, oboe, clarinet, bassoon, two, two horns, a trumpet, um, a percussionist, a piano player, and then a um, a smaller but still full component of of, of strings.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We spoke last week with Mark Zyla, who's playing the French oh, horn. Yeah. Um, great guy. And he is fantastic. And uh, you know, I thought afterwards, I didn't ask him. I was wondering how they chose the particular symphony members to do this because it is like what what you're writing for them. You're kind of transforming the orchestral members into rock stars almost. Oh they're gosh, up on I it, don't know. You know That's up, up, on up to it. them.
0: They've got to <laughs> they've got to take what I'm giving them and turn it into. <laughs> something spectacular i i I hope that that what i'm doing is allowing them to to share the same space to have fun with it um and then and then allows enough enough freedom in the parts that they can move you know within the parts a little bit um well, we'll see how that well that plays out. Um, mm-hmm. well, yeah.
1: yeah, there's a I think going to be a lot of joy in this performance. Um, now you're arranging six of the twelve songs. Yes. And do you have a favorite one that you, that you? Oh arranged? gosh.
0: Um, yeah, I think he. There's one called Sunshine that I really, really liked a lot. Um, it had a very full arrangement already in the recording that was done, and I took that and. Tried to magnify it in in the orchestra and bring out parts that were in the mix but really soft. So um, I had a lot of fun with that one. All of them though have um, some some really endearing qualities to them, or just make you want to want to jump in and do some things uh, like move your booty, which is <laughs> always a good thing to do at well- a concert.
1: Yeah, and I would encourage people who don't know anything about Harmar Superstar to look up his music videos because they are just funny. You, <laughs> yes. you, you. La- at least I, my response was just to laugh my way through them. But he has a great voice. He has a tremendous range.
0: It's an amazing range. So, yeah, I didn't realize just listening to him what a range he had. Um, because before you, you know, before you say yes to a project, you always want to do a little bit of homework. Uh, you know, say, "Oh, I'll get back to you on that." And um, I'm, and so I was listening to it, but, bef- and I said yes to this project. Sat down in my studio with the recordings and started transcribing the music. So the way that I, I hope you and your listeners find this interesting, um, the way that I do these kinds of arrangements is first I create a lead sheet, and that's a very simple outline that shows the chords, and then um, the, the, the melody line with, with the lyrics. When I was transcribing what he was singing, I was really amazed at, um, at his vocal range. It's, um, it's powerful throughout the whole range, and yet um, he, can, he can emote very quietly as well. It's really a very, very cool uh, vocal instrument that he's got there. Yeah,
1: You know, I'm, I was curious about this. Um, you're trained as a pianist. So how does someone who is, you know, really steeped and very knowledgeable about one yeah. instrument, how do you learn to write musical scores for a symphony and for such a large number of different right. instruments?
0: Well, I think that I'm still learning in, in many ways to, to write. Um, I mean, I, I wrote my first orchestra piece um, when I was 20, and um, I'd already been writing for for um, different instrumentalists and vocalists who just wanted um, me to me to write something for them, which was very nice of them. Um, but um, so you know, I just turned fifty, so that's a good thirty years of writing um, for orchestras. But even before that, I had the sound of the orchestra in my head. But yeah, um, I did try to learn as much as I could on every instrument when I was an undergraduate at University of Arizona. Um, but even now, um, I, I still go out of my way to try to ask performers what's, what's possible if I have any questions, especially if I'm hearing some things in my head that are beyond the norm. Um, within the uh, orchestrations that I did for the Harmar Superstar arrangements, there's really nothing that's outside of what would be normal. Um, again, the whole idea with this is to get the orchestra up there on the stage with him, and and for and for him to have fun with musicians that are that are up there and at ease. So mm-hmm. I wanted the musicians to have something that they could look at really quickly and be able to just pour themselves in and play. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, you have been co- composing for a very long time, so I yeah. suppose that that you just become increasingly comfortable with that. I, I'm guessing, <laughs> and and you you mentioned that you. Um, achieved your undergraduate degree in musical composition from the university of arizona and Mm -hmm. then you kind of did this upward northwest swing through through san francisco where you had your master's and then your um phd was at the university of oregon and that was also in composition
0: yes all of those are all in composition hopefully I, i learned something (laughs) <laughs> along the way well, i'm sure you have
1: <laughs> now i was also interested to learn about the musical scores you've written for films yes uh the film 50 feet from syria was shortlisted for an academy award several years ago mm-hmm. and then the film lifeboat for which you wrote the music was nominated for an academy award this year in the documentary short category yes. and that's quite an accomplishment
0: yes it is thank you thank you for mentioning that
1: so are, are you drawn to films that have a social conscience? There seems to be a little theme, a yeah. little bit of a theme running through. Yeah,
0: I, I work a lot with the director of those two films that you mentioned. His name is Sky Fitzgerald. Uh, we met when we were both graduate students in Oregon. He's still living in, in Portland. Um, and I get together with him a, a, every couple years, and um, we collaborate on another on another film. And we've been working together um with either theater or film now for decades. Um, so it's it's a wonderful relationship that, that we have. Um, but I also work with with other directors uh, on on films. Um, one is a film that I'm um, scoring right now called um, Sons and Daughters of Thunder, which is being directed by the Rundles, um, and they're based right here in the Quad Cities. And this is about um, the, abolitionists before civil war and I think it's a really important story and I just wanted to be involved in that because again this is a very important um, social justice uh, story that a lot of people have forgotten about so it is wonderful to be a part of these films that is trying to do some good in the world.
1: Mm -hmm. And the um, Lifeboat film remind us what that was about.
0: Yeah that is about refugees trying to Find a new life or escape something terrible. Um, And looking for safety as they're crossing the Mediterranean Sea in literally just boats. Um, People are cast off in these boats um, without any power, really without any water or any food at all. And they're cast adrift, and it's up to other people to go out and save them. And so this film documents. One such journey over just a, a couple days out in the Mediterranean Sea, where um, two videographers are embedded on a boat or on a ship, saving people that are that are, um, you know, cast adrift, looking for for help, and in this film people are really confronted with the humanity the individual humans who are trying to just seek the same kind of lives that you and I are able to lead
1: mm-hmm. when i was listening to you describing both of those movies you know i was just wondering is it does it come a little bit more easier the writing of music when you're thinking about a story that's so poignant that's that's so painful that's so this perilous journey um, yeah it you know, I I don't know. I I wonder about that.
0: Yeah, it might be m- more easy to write in response to something like that, but it's also difficult because I don't want to manipulate people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just when I'm when I'm working on a documentary film, and I've I've done quite a few now, um, the music needs to help propel you from one thing to another, but again without trying to take advantage of someone's feelings and kind of hint at or, or make them feel in one way or another, not at all, um, so there's a challenge there,
1: right? Because right? music is so powerful well, that it yeah. can manipulate our emotions. Yes, it can, a and bit.
0: that's what, of course, I, I learned how to do that. You know, <laughs> um, you know, training to be a composer so that I could emote and and try to uh, move people. And then here I am writing for documentaries, and I I'm not doing that, right? So um, it's a bit more presentational, maybe, but uh, at the same time. I think that the score that I wrote, particularly for Lifeboat, uh, was very moving. Um, the uh, I, I also released it as an album, and um, it stands alone musically, which is uh, something I think that uh, some of the other scores that I've done in the past, while I liked them, I don't think that they that they stood up that well, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, but anytime I'm writing any any kind of music, um, I do try to embody uh, what's going on quite literally and feel my way through that. And then, um, of course, try to imagine, um, a person who's listening, uh, or experiencing this for the very first time, how they might, might, might be taking this, you Mm -hmm. know, and that, that gives me a clue as to what I need to be doing.
1: Right. What was it like to attend the Academy Awards ceremony this year?
0: Oh, gosh, thanks for asking. (laughs) That was quite a treat. Um, you know, you, <laughs> you're there in Hollywood, um, and that's a, that's a wonderful, crazy, amazing place. Um, it was full of sunshine when we were there for that weekend. And, you know, we were, everybody was dressed up, just having a wonderful time. It was great, because when you go into the Academy Awards, everybody is a potential winner. And so everybody has a very similar face, like, oh, I'm so excited, you know, and everybody's joking around and smiling. And then as the evening goes on, uh, <laughs> uh, some people are elated, but far more are, are taken down a couple notches. So it's a real interesting place to be. It's still a big celebration. And to just be nominated and to be part of the team that created something that was you know, lifted up and, and um, shown to be something that people need to be paying attention to felt really good. It did feel a little bit strange, though, to be there in such a fancy night, when what we were trying to do is, of course, help people that are in trouble. Right. Right.
1: right. These refugees that, yeah. are, that are in desperate circumstances crossing, crossing that sea, hoping to be accepted yeah. by, by possibly a country that, that really doesn't want them, that may push them away or reject them. Well, and that's them. getting
0: harder and harder. And Sea Watch, the organization that um, the director, Sky Fitzgerald, partnered with in this, um, is still doing a lot of good work. Um, but they're being turned away now. From, from ports, and it's, it's getting more difficult, as you can imagine. But, you know, in order to make the next film, and we are going to be making another film, um, we need to be talking with people like you about these projects, because you never know, the next person that I meet might be able to put us in touch with somebody else, right? <laughs> and so going to the Academy Awards and talking with all those people was also another way to network for the right reasons, so that we could do better work that's even deeper and maybe more profound and touches and helps more people. So yeah, hopefully there, that'll work.
1: I hope so, too. And there just are yeah. endless possibilities from that. But we, yeah. as a as a community, are really so proud oh, of you, you with that accomplishment. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm wondering, how do you balance all of your work, You know, all this composing <laughs> and recording, yeah. with your teaching and administrative work at St. Ambrose?
0: Right. Well, um, I do a good job of it sometimes, I do a poor job of it, I think, more often. Um, and uh, there are some things that, that need to be um, prioritized any any given moment, right? And so I try to turn my attention to that. Um, well, right, I, I was just working on those arrangements for the Quad City Symphony for, for Harmar, and I spent... Two nights with only two nights sleep working on those. So that's the short answer to your question. Um, The longer answer, of course, is that in our lives, there are different things that take us in and out of what we feel like we're called to be doing. There was a time when it was um, important for me to be an administrator uh, for the music department at St. Ambrose, and I've been really happy to be chair for eight years. I will tell you, and everybody listening, that I'm stepping down from being chair of the department after this year, and uh, we'll be going back to a rotating chair position so that we get to share that a little bit. That's going to help me balance that that load a little bit. It's been seven years since I've released my last uh, solo piano album. And this summer I'll be recording that, a a, a new one. And, um, you know, finding that balance is is a really tough thing. So something had to give a little bit Mm -hmm. as more creative ideas were really needing to come out. And so thankfully my colleagues said, yep, it's time for you to do that. We'll step in. And so we're going to take turns over at St. Ambrose in in that regard. But, you know, the teaching will be there. I I love to teach. Um, I guess, you know, another short answer would have been, um, because I like to make long answers, I guess. Um, (laughs) No, it's perfectly uh, (laughs) fine. Another short answer would have been, um, uh, I love what I do. And I mean, it does feel like work. It does. But I love it, which is why I like to work on what I do all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm sure for universities, they work hard at at striking the right balance because Mm -hmm. you do want an administrator head of a department to be renowned in that field. However, that suppresses the creativity of the yeah. person that you're that you're promoting. So yeah. um, so good well hopefully you'll have some time to produce another solo album. Yeah. Where do you find your inspiration to compose music?
0: Oh well I've been improvising at the piano since my parents wheeled the piano into our living room when I was six. And so that's you know forty six years now of exploring sound at the at the keyboard. Um, so a lot of it is um, um, me just exploring at the piano. And that, uh, but also um, I love to go uh, on walks. I love to um, travel and, and get inspiration. Um, sometimes um, ideas just come, just like just like anybody. Um, so for me, you know, a lot of people take a, a a notepad out and they start doodling with a pen or a pencil, you know, and some idea might present itself, or writing down words, or words come to to people and they they jot those down, and that becomes a poem, or something becomes a story. For me, phrases of music come together, or um, Combinations of sound come to me, and I try to capture that the best I can.
1: How do, And how do you capture that? How do you write it down?
0: Great. I I have notebooks with me everywhere I go. I've got one right here in this jacket right next to me with a pencil. I also have – I've been using my, my cell phone a lot lately to um, record – uh, sounds because the so you'll, these, you'll just these voice come noise. along to a tune. uh sometimes or I'll actually do solfege to it, which is <laughs> you know, um, how, how musicians learn how to to sight read and sing and also to have that music just right inside you um, so that I'll remember it. Um, some uh, thankfully though I, I, I have developed a pretty good musical memory so I can remember it. If I can um, sing it or capture it in some way um, uh, though it, it really helps speed up that process. Mm-hmm. You know being disciplined though in in the art that, that, that you're you know that you've chosen is so important. So getting to my desk as often as I can on a regular basis, um, practicing regularly is so important. I find inspiration just in that, really. So. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot around me all the time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to touch just briefly on a couple projects you've done in the past. What, you yeah. know, the the number of musical adventures or projects <laughs> that you've been involved in is, is so extensive that yeah. I, we can only really talk about a few. But <laughs> you were um, part of the Sonoran Concert Trio for many years. Can you yes. tell us about that?
0: Yeah. The Sonoran Concert was a new music ensemble that was based in improvisation only, I had met the percussionist in the group when we were both undergraduates, and I moved back to Arizona after living in California and Oregon. And uh, this friend of mine, Todd, said, "Hey, let's get together and, and play some music and explore. Just, just have no, no, no preconceived notions. Just walk in, set up your keyboard, and and let's and let's go for it." And Unbeknownst to me, he had invited somebody else in the room as well, and I'd never met this person before. And we started playing music, and that's how we met. And then we became the three of us really good friends, and we just kept exploring music in that way. So we, um,
1: so all all improvisation. Yeah,
0: but that's that's how we came up with our our um, ideas. Um, we did try to do some loosely based classical covers, but we were doing so many exploratory things, um, that, um, we found that, that, that actually, um, kept us from being able to, to explore what we, what we wanted. So we, we recorded a couple albums. We did some touring, um, and made a lot of great, great music. Um, and you know, I'm, it's really great for me to hear uh, groups that are really active now exploring improvisation at a level that we were doing then uh, which was 15 years ago and, and a little bit before that so it's it's again it's really great to see improvisation back in the classical realm after it being kind of gone for many decades mm-hmm. so that was that's what sonoran Consort was it was a great great exploration of, of sound with with two Wonderful friends. Yeah.
1: You also composed a set of songs set to Wendell Berry's yes. poems, and he's one of my favorite poets. So how did a project this this diverse and well, unusual come about? Yeah,
0: you asked me about inspiration. Um, because I am so inspired by the natural world... Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's pretty easy for me to to be attracted then to the poets that also write about our connection to that, mm-hmm. and Wendell Berry is one of the best that we have, and so um, a friend of mine um, lent me her her poems, uh, in a book called A Timbered Choir: Selected Sabbath Poems of Wendell Berry, and I, I there were so many that resonated with me so deeply. It's an, that was a non-commissioned piece of music from me, which was when I wrote it really rare. Um, but this music was was just welling out of me, so um, I, I I gave a, a couple other um, people who asked me for some music. I, I gave them a longer dead uh, you know I asked for a longer deadline so that I could write these songs, and they're really um, they were really labors of love for me. Um, they didn't take very much. Time to come up with the concepts. It took a little bit more time to, to flesh out in some regard. Um, and and those, those songs have continued to live. Um, I was just contacted this morning by a conductor who will be performing them with a choir this summer in Pennsylvania and and a couple others uh, in different parts of of the country. So not only the music but also that the poems, as, as you mentioned, what Wendell Berry just really really resonate with
1: folks. Mm-hmm. so yeah. the so the choir sing the poetry then y-
0: Yes, yeah
1: you know, and to me there there is a I guess I would say there is a connection between poetry and music, both. Of those art forms distill emotion down to this very compact form. Yes. Uh, and can make you feel that in a very profound way.
0: Yes. And, um, you know, with, with poetry, you can, if you're reading it, you can reread that line. Or if you have ever gone to a live poetry reading, sometimes poets will read that line again. And in reading that line again, it gives us an opportunity to reflect on it, which is exactly why in music, I think, many times we as composers repeat certain lines mm-hmm. to allow us to really take those, those, those parts in. Mm-hmm. Um, Wendell Berry's poems have a lot of what we call cyclical ideas in individual poems, but also in, in, in his larger output. For me as a composer, it was really a fun thing to weave um, individual motives that um, I attached to certain ideas within his poems, kind of as, as mottos or motives that would recur, um, which also gives people the ability to immediately reflect, you know, they remember what that idea was. The tree swaying, and I, I would set it in a certain way with the voices. And when that comes back, you're immediately reminded of that tree swaying, but you're hearing some different words. So you—you you, know—you're getting my interpretation of it too.
1: Uh, Bill Campbell, thank you so much for talking today. It was delightful.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much.
1: Don't miss out on the opportunity to hear the Quad City Symphony Orchestra in concert with R&B pop performer Har Superstar on Saturday, May 11th, with musical arrangements by the Quad Cities' own William Campbell. Doors open at the Rust Belt at 6 p.m., and the musical fund begins at 7. Tickets cost $25 and can be purchased online at molarnights.com or through the symphony website qcso.org. This has been Carolyn Martin, talking art in the Quad Cities, for WVIK.